Hello, and welcome back to Small Talk. We've got a great episode for you today as we check in with a pair of national champions from Eastern Connecticut State. I'm your host, Katie Mucci. Each week on this show, we highlight the past and present of Division Three, with both current and former student-athletes joining to talk about their experiences, their favorite on-campus spots, the craziest road trip stories, and more. This week, we've got Eastern Connecticut State senior outfielder Jason Claiborne and former pitcher Joe Surface. The two discuss how to stretch your daily per diem, some national championship memories, why they chose Division Three, and more. Thanks for joining this week. Now it's time for some small talk. Hi, my name is uh, Joe Surface, and I'm a proud 2004 graduate of Eastern Connecticut State University, where I was also a member of the baseball program. And I am currently a physical education teacher and head baseball coach at Windsor High School in Windsor, Connecticut. Hi, I'm Jason Claiborne. I'm a rising senior on the Eastern baseball team currently, also a member of the 2022 national championship team. And I have uh, one more year left as an Eastern warrior. No big deal. Just a national champion. (laughs) (laughs) I love throwing it in there whenever I can. (laughs) That's fair. I would also throw that in every introduction I do. Um, All right. So for you two, we're going to start out first talking about on campus. And so as I mentioned, we're going to see what similarities and differences there are. So I'll start out with you, Jason. What are maybe the best spots that you and your teammates and, and maybe other athletes that are hanging out at restaurants, places on campus, things like that? And then, um, Joe, we'll see if any of those have changed or if any of those are the same places you guys were hanging out. Okay, I actually like that question. That's a good one. For, uh, for on campus, definitely a spot that everyone hangs out is the student center, the stew, everyone calls it. Um, Basically, like every day at some point you walk through the studio, you're going to see a bunch of athletes, specifically baseball players, all sitting in a circle, hanging out in between classes, trying to kill time, stuff like that. It's good to just get the guys together uh, on campus and be a part of the community at school. For off campus, there's a few spots. Um, Blarney's Restaurant and Pub is a popular one. Uh, Willie Brew is a popular restaurant. Um, there's a few places up at stores that people like to go to, like Insomnia Cookie. That's a popular late night snack spot. Um, those are the main three that I could think of off the top of my head. You know, the Student Center uh, has recently been renovated and upgraded uh, since I graduated. So we didn't spend as much time in the Student Center. I would say the most popular spot when I was there in between 99 and 2004 uh, for myself and my teammates was the sports center, um, whether it was hanging out in Coach Hallowaddy's office or hanging out in the equipment room or getting our workouts in in the weight room. Um, we also played a ton of racquetball uh, during my time. Uh, we tried to find different activities to do to compete with their, with ourselves and our teammates. Um, so I would say the uh, the sports center was definitely the most popular place that we hung out. Um you know, whether it's the locker room or the, the other areas in the sports center that I mentioned. Um, off campus, Blarney's was is still a, a hot spot. Um, uh, it, it was back when I was there and even before my time, I know that. And uh, like Jason said, with UConn about 10 minutes down the road, it was nice to be able to venture into Mansfield and stores and uh, hit up some restaurants and some different areas uh, that way as well. 
I actually I thought it was interesting that you mentioned that you guys would use the racquetball courts because we never really get to use them. It's kind of more used as like a, a place where you stretch before you go over to the weight room nowadays. But I've always wanted to and wished we could incorporate them into like workouts somehow. I feel like it would be a lot of fun. Yeah, we had uh, my my best friend at school. Um, we would go at it on a weekly basis. Uh, really fantastic workout and just a great, you know, again, a good spot to kind of hang out and spend some downtime um, and, you know, connect with your teammates and compete in different areas, which was a lot of fun for us. Sounds like when you guys have that alumni game at the beginning of the season, maybe you also need a racquetball tournament thrown in there. That would be awesome. <laughs> it's a good workout, too. Now, off campus, you're traveling for games. and I don't know how far you guys travel typically, um, but obviously with baseball, you have some some three-game series to work on. So when you're traveling, is it usually by bus? Do you get a van or a few 15-passenger vans? Do you guys get to fly anywhere? Um, um, Joe, I'll have you start out and just talk about how you all were traveling. And then also, were you putting four or five in a room on those trips? Or were you getting a couple and you had your own bed? What was What's the travel like? Yeah, so for our uh, in-conference games or local games, um, we would actually take vans to most games. Uh, We would pile into whatever it was, two, three, maybe four vans um, to get to our conference games or local out-of-conference games. Sometimes we would, um, you know, have the privilege of hopping on a bus. Uh, But for the most part, it was taking the vans. Uh, We always travel to California for our spring trip um in march obviously that was on a plane um and then to the world series uh in the early 2000s you know i had the privilege of being part of a team that went to three consecutive world series so that was out in appleton wisconsin uh and we would hop on a plane for that uh one thing i do want to highlight is my after my junior year that summer our eastern team um, was selected to go overseas uh, to the Netherlands to represent U.S. And we played in the World Port Tournament um, against some of the junior national teams, uh, the Cuban team, the, uh, what was the Taiwan team, uh, South Africa. So, of course, being that was overseas, we hopped on a plane for that. But, um, again, for most of the part during my, my four years there as a member of the baseball program, most of our games were within driving distance. So, we would hop in those uh, really, really tight uh, vans uh, that our coaches would have to drive. That's actually pretty interesting that you guys got to fly overseas and play some games. Uh, We haven't, unfortunately, we haven't been able to do anything like that. Um, As far as traveling to conference games in pretty much every game, we are lucky enough where we do get coach buses now. There's now an Eastern coach bus that actually has like a picture of us from uh, the 2022 team on it celebrating and a bunch of other sports teams, like right as like a watermark on the side of the bus, which is pretty cool that we get to ride in that. Um, The only times we really take vans are sometimes on our like spring break trip. Like this past year, we went down to Virginia and then to Myrtle. And while we were in Florida the year before that, we took vans driving around from place to place. Um, it was definitely a little compact in there from like what we're used to. We're like I said, a little spoiled with the coach buses now, but um, it was a good time. It brought key, team chemistry, just everyone being close, like in smaller groups, just being able to talk. And it was a different dynamic than what we were used to, which was a lot of fun. 
Uh, we also had a few plane flights like you guys. We went to, we flew to Iowa for the World Series and we also flew down to Fort Myers my sophomore year for spring break. But most of the time we're just in coach buses going uh, from place to place, game to game. So I see they've obviously upgraded. Um, we never had a picture of ourselves on the bus the year after we won the national championship. So I'm glad Eastern is uh, rewarding those teams with some uh, graphic designs on their transportation. It was that, yeah, it was actually really cool. I remember even I was completely surprised and that Eastern went and did something as cool as that. Um, but it's really cool, like riding in the bus and like knowing that your face is kind of just like on the side of it as you drive. That's awesome. That's big time. That's awesome. So one one trend I've had on this podcast so far in the last two or three interviews is everyone who travels in vans has had their fair share of breakdowns or funny stories from that. Either of you in the the few trips you've had, Jason, or the, the many trips you had, Joe, any van stories where that maybe didn't go smooth? Um, I could be wrong, but I think I recall um, a couple breakdowns. I think one was on the way to the airport uh, on our way you know, for a West Coast trip out to California. Um, I think one of the vans got a flat tire, and I think we were a little nervous getting to the airport that we were going to make it in time. Uh, but for the most part, the Eastern Connecticut vans held up pretty sturdy throughout my time. I, I've been lucky where, knock on wood, I still got a year left, but I none have really broken down on me. We've definitely taken, had a few bus drivers that accidentally took wrong turns that made us super late for games. And we ended up having to like quickly like rush and get ready. And those are those moments are always fun to look back on and laugh about. Uh, like I said, mentioned earlier, being in those vans, it was a different type of dynamic when everyone's just squished together close and has nothing to talk about for hours. So nothing in particular, but just the conversations and memories in those vans. I know I'll cherish for a while. That's awesome. Yeah. So when when you're in the middle of getting lost, did you know you guys were getting lost or was it just kind of like? Hey, are we playing in half an hour? It was it was honestly more of something that uh, my coach my coaches would deal with, but it was kind of just like we'd figure out that after like thirty minutes of driving in the wrong direction, we were going in the wrong direction the whole time. Then the bus driver and my coach would have to figure out how to the best way to map get into there on time, and it only happened a, a cut one or two times, but it was funny to look back on, nevertheless. So what was the food like, um, Joe, for you? Were you guys eating nice meals or were you hitting up the McDonald's for your, your road trip meals? Um, from what I recall, I believe we got uh, $20 for meal money. I want to say it was $20 for, for each day. Um, so to answer your question, <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot you can get for 20 bucks at a nice restaurant. So yes, uh, fast food restaurants were, uh, you know, usually the the hit um, and the place that all the guys went to um, kind of a, a funny, quick little short story. I actually had a, a really bad superstition. Uh, I was a pitcher and uh, the night before every one of my starts, I had to eat surf and turf. Um, it kind of started my freshman year and um, you know, I had a, a fairly good record on the mound throughout my career and it kind of just stuck with me. So um, I had to uh, find ways to get my surf and turf, uh, within reason when it came to cost. That's why Ruby Tuesdays off the of campus, it's not there anymore, I don't think, but uh, over in the Mansfield area was my favorite spot. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, Katie, 
there was a lot of fast food restaurants visited uh, due to $20 a day for meal money. How about you, Jason? So for me, it was actually a little different. So a lot of the time, instead of giving us money, they would try to like cater meals to us. And the the most common meal that you could ask anybody on my team, they'll tell you the same thing. I will never eat a Big Y sandwich outside of Eastern baseball in my life. I have had so many Big Y subs in my three years so far, and I'm going to have more of like, no offense to Big Y, but like dry Big Y subs that I am so sick of the taste. It's honestly like muscle memory eating them at this point. But in this past year, we actually switched it up a little bit. We got uh, Gansett Wraps over at UConn catered to us a few times. And when we were in the playoff run, like a few years back, we um, also got Apollo catered to us, which was good. A good change of pace with some pasta and chicken. So towards playoff time and even a few times during the season, we actually got to eat pretty good. But I, um, one more thing I'd want to add is I like how you uh, mentioned – mentioned like how you'd go to Ruby Tuesdays or like places that you can get stuff for kind of cheap because we also we uh, reap the benefits of the McDonald's dollar menu a lot of the time when we got to pay for like meals out of our own pocket and all those apps we'll use the apps to try to get points and get like five dollars six dollar meals from those places so we were, we're also trying to budget the best we could as well so yeah times have definitely changed because I recall uh in the middle of double headers, Mrs. Howawati would be making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches uh, in that little in that little cubby area next to the dugout uh, for in between games for all the players. And then after the game, I recalled Coach Howawati behind the grill. Uh, we would grill out over in kind of like the hill area on the right field side. We definitely did not get any catering services for sure. So yeah, that uh, uh, things have changed. That kind of puts it into perspective for me, I guess. I guess next time I get get a big Y sandwich, I should be a little more appreciative of it. <laughs> That's great. Um, now let's talk about academics, the student and student athlete. Um, Jason, starting with you, what is your major? Um, and then Joe also, what's your major? And then if there is any overlap or similarities there, maybe are there any professors that have been around for both of you or classes you both took that you thought were interesting? So Jason, how do you start out? Uh, so I'm a business administration major with a minor in communications. Um, so for business, the way it, like my whole schooling has worked, I guess, is like I took a lot of core classes my freshman year. Um, then I got more recent years been put through all the business like heavy uh, classes, um, micro, macroeconomics, those um, some finance classes, principles of accounting, all stuff like that. Um, I've had a few teachers that I've really, really liked. One being was actually for a lab. He wasn't even a business teacher. Uh, Professor Carlson, he uh, was my lab teacher. I really liked him. Great guy. Also, Professor Hightower, he taught me accounting. Those two were just uh, guys that I really stood out to me. Um, honestly, I've had some good experiences with a lot of good teachers at Eastern who have helped me out and I still have like good relationships with. Um I, I honestly don't have much to much to say that's bad about it. It's been it's been good. Well, I was uh, many moons back and many years ago. I was a PE major uh, with a minor in sports management. Uh, and like Jason said, I have nothing but good things to say about all my professors uh, during my time at Eastern. Uh, they were all extremely helpful. Um, you know, I think the teachers at Eastern know how 
much of a commitment it is to be a member of the Eastern Connecticut State University baseball team and the hours that we put in, not just us, but all the student athletes um, and all the professors were very willing to work with the student athletes. Um, I think that's one of the benefits of a Division three school, kind of a smaller scale, um, a little more of a connection. Uh, but the the one teacher that made, I should say professor, that made a huge difference in my outlook on things, especially as a up-and-coming uh, PE teacher, was Dr. Swichinko. Um, I believe he is still there, uh, but Dr. Swichinko was well-known in the PE department. Uh, he taught three of the hardest classes uh, in the PE major route. Um, he took he taught anatomy, kinesiology, and physiology, and uh, we as PE people and majors always tell other people that the toughest part about being a PE teacher is actually becoming a PE teacher. Uh, people don't realize how hard the classes are that you have to take, um, but he was fantastic in all ways. Uh, I remember him coming in at eight o'clock in the morning for uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 8 a.m. class and he would open up the door and we were all sitting there because we were scared to be late. So we were there for about 15, 30 minutes and he would open up the door and he would uh, run up to the front part of the room and he would say, it's a great day to be alive, ladies and gentlemen. And he would jump on the desk some mornings. Uh, so just extremely motivating uh, and made a huge impact on me personally uh, becoming a PE teacher. Um, but again, really good experience academic wise. Uh, at Eastern Connecticut State University. I actually, I've never had a uh, Professor Shochenko, but I've heard a lot of good things about him. A lot of my uh, teammates have mentioned him, uh, some funny stories and stuff like that, and said all good things about him. So I'm not surprised you mentioned him. Yeah, he was fantastic. Jumping on the desk, that's always a good way to start a class. I'm telling well, you, and, he, and he, I don't know how old he, he's <laughs> got to be. I'm, I'm not going to say it online here, but he was not young. <laughs> But he was in the sports center each and every day on the treadmill, on the elliptical, kept himself in shape. And that man had a ton of energy um, for his age. And, and uh, you know, as a teacher, it's all about connecting with the kids and, and motivating them. And he did an unbelievable job in that area. That's great. Um, now we'll have you guys look at your, your time on the team and um, share maybe the funniest or the craziest, but appropriate um of story that you have with your teammates so joe i'll let you go first oh well um i obviously have a ton of stories um i was actually in the program for five years because i redshirted um my freshman year due to arm surgery um so i have many many stories i can tell uh, but the one that sticks out you know the most was the year we won the national championship in 2002 um we actually went 0-2 in the conference tournament. And um, uh, Coach Halwadi thought our season was over. He did not think we were going to get an at-large bid. And I recall being behind the third base dugout, which is our home dugout, and he was giving us uh, a speech that was a little more of a, a negative, kind of the end-of-the-season type speech that a coach would give. And his... Uh, middle son, Jared, uh, was a senior on that team. He was a captain, and he stood up and pretty much told his dad to stop talking. And he said, we're not done yet. Um, we're going to get into the tournament. 
And not only are we going to make a run, but we're going to win the national championship. And we were all kind of like looking at him like this, this, you know, our senior captain's, you know, somewhat crazy here. His dad just told us pretty much our season's over. Uh, but, hey, let's go with it. And uh, we waited until I think it was the next day, as Jason knows, when they do the uh, the seedings and the pairings and our our name was called. Um, so that was just one memory that really stuck out uh, was going from thinking our season was over to getting a second chance and then running with that opportunity. Um, and I'll never forget, you know, Coach Hallway during that moment and his son Jared kind of taking over and saying, nope, this is not it. We're, we're not done. I um, it's funny that you mentioned like uh, a story involving like uh, your run to the national championship and things like that. Cause my story that I'm about to tell is a bunch of parallels to that. Um, my freshman year, we were, I think 15 in the country. Southern Maine was 13. We got upset in my opinion, it was an upset walked off on our own home field. And that was the end of my freshman season. So going into my sophomore year, a lot of guys like essentially put their lives on hold to write out this one last year of eligibility and one last chance to win it. So there was a lot of like doubt about us going into the year. We obviously ended up having a great year um, filled with a bunch of like pregame rituals, which is another part of my favorite memories. Uh, so we, there was these like after every win, we had like a win song. We'd all go crazy in the locker room dancing to really brought the guys together. But Another parallel to your story, um, Tommy Benincasa, one of our pitchers on our national championship team, was in an interview uh, post-game in, I think, either the regional or our super regional. And he asked the question, or he was asked the question, like, what do you think this team has what it takes to, uh, like, win the national championship and get there? And then he instantly cut the guy, cut the interviewer off midway through and said, we can and we will. And then just being able to... Uh, for him to be able to get the last out in the national championship after making that claim was awesome. We also had uh, two of our seniors that Luke Broadhurst and John Masagno, right. in like our uh, beginning of the year, like what was your favorite part about Eastern? Like at the beginning of the season, they wrote winning the national championship this year. It was out uh, on the website. Like if you looked at their bios the whole year and for them to be able to back up their word for everybody to go all in on, uh, this opportunity, a lot of guys, it was their last year of eligibility, just a, a one last ride thing. I could talk about this for hours, but, but it was just a really, really magical experience for all of that to work out exactly how we set it out to do. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, confidence is obviously huge um, amongst the team and it, it could, you, everyone kind of feeds off of each other. Um, and I think, you know, that moment where Jared Hallwaddy stood up you can kind of see everyone's kind of mentality just changed, even though we thought he was crazy. Uh, but everyone was on board, just like you said, all in. Um, and that's what you need to make a run and win a national championship because it's so hard. Um, you know, I've been fortunate enough to win a state championship as a coach in high school baseball, and you need a lot of things to go your way. Uh, but if there's ever any doubt throughout that run, it's over. Um, so that confidence piece is huge. And that's an awesome story to hear that those guys who I knew were huge impact players for you guys. I followed you guys closely throughout the run. Uh, but, you know, leaders need to lead in order to win a, a national championship. So that's great. For sure. And I actually, your story, like just kind of thinking about it, kind of got me excited. I could picture, I could picture like everybody in that room kind of down in the dumps and like one guy just leading you guys and getting you guys going. And for that to be like, kind of like your, your villain arc part of the story where it's like kind of turned everything around. 
is really cool that you guys ended up doing what you did after that. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was a great memory for sure. That's really cool. I didn't even need to step in there. You guys had this covered, but that's a really cool story. And I love to hear that. And, and maybe you need to be putting that in your, your roster bio this year, Jason, and see if you can close it out with the national championship in June. It's going to be uh, fun. I think, I think, I think we could do it. Got to do right. everything to get back there. All right. Well, I'll be watching. Um, so those are kind of your, maybe that was your favorite memory, but are there any just funny stories too of, of times on the team or, or funny things that your team's done or teammates have done? Jason, you can go first. Um, so, yeah. So I touched upon it in my story before, but we would, we had this, uh, this like post game, like song and the post game song would change like from, from year to year. But there were a few songs that just like lasted like a while. It was just crazy songs that would get everybody in the dugout going or everyone in the locker room going post win. It was like our thing to like get in the locker room after a win and all like kind of have a dance party and dance party in the locker room celebrating, getting all happy, especially after big wins uh, that we kind of formed a tradition for uh, at least the past few years of always having like a win song and like post post game in the locker room celebrations. So I hope we could keep that going. I know we'll be keeping it going for this year. Hopefully it continues after my time at Eastern's over. Yeah. I, I think going back to our previous uh, stories and memories um, again, we can talk for hours about, you know, especially the championship year runs um, and what happened and um, the different stories. Uh, but I think a, a funny story, one story that I kind of remember um, with my teammates was being on our West coast trip. Uh, and I think it was it was at nighttime in the hotel, and I think we had our whole team uh, in the hotel room at the Embassy Suites in West Covina, California. And we, you know, like I mean, Jason can attest to it. You, know, you always have some characters on the team, some funny guys. And we had probably our four funniest guys uh, around the table. I think we were playing cards, and somehow it turned into each guy uh, taking on the role of one of our coaches and imitating uh, that coach in a funny way, an appropriate way. Um, but it was probably one of the funniest things I've ever experienced in my life as being part of a sports team was having our whole team in this one hotel room and these four guys sitting around the table playing cards and mimicking and, and, and acting like one of the four coaches on our staff. Um, so again, it's just, it's funny the, the little things that you remember again, this is 20, what it was a 20 something years ago. Um, but the bond that you create with your teammates uh, is by far, you know, the greatest memory um, you know, I was, I had the honor and privilege to be on the mound in the national championship game and pitched a complete game shutout, which was all fantastic and great. But I always tell people the one thing I remember the most, I don't remember one pitch I threw in that, in that game. Um, but what I do remember is, you know, after the last out was made on a six, four fielder's choice, looking in the dugout and seeing the guys running out to the mound was the one thing visually that I remember more than any pitch I made in that game. So just the bond and the memories uh, being part of a team and th those those memories you create together um, is definitely something you you know we as athletes remember forever. And I tell my current players that now, you know, individual success is great, but you will remember team success way longer than individual success. I honestly think you said that perfectly. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Just like with what we were able to do as a team is great, but the thing that made it even more special is the guys I was able to go to war with every day. The fact that not only did we like set these goals, we were able to achieve them together was huge. And I know I have a bunch of lifelong friends that 10, 15 years down the road, like 
we're going to be texting each other and say, what's up champ? What's up champ? Like we're always doing stuff like that. And these are lifelong bonds and nobody's ever going to be able to take those away from us outside of the game of baseball. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, being a coach now, one thing that I think goes uh, sometimes unnoticed uh, and forgotten is, you know, on the baseball field, there's only, you know, nine guys playing, uh, maybe 10 with the DH. But, you know, the role players, uh, and Jason can attest to it, how important the role players are on a championship team. I tell my team now and my players, we're going to be as good as those role players are and buying into the system. And, you know, a big reason, and I had an interview not too long ago, and I, I commented on it, um, the big reason why teams win championships, especially our 2002 team, and I can, I'm sure it's probably the same as the 2022 team, is everybody was all in, uh, including those role guys, and they understood their role, and they came to work each and every day and supported the guys that were on the field, and, you know, they produced when their number was called. Um, so I always like to give a shout-out to those role players um, within those you know, those championship teams, because uh, it's not easy to do. I agree. Me too. And once again, I couldn't agree more with what you said. Um, we had a bunch of guys uh, on that team who some guys maybe didn't even see uh, the field in the World Series, or we actually had to unfortunately not bring everybody to the World Series because we could only bring a certain number. Uh, I felt I felt guys that were left out of getting rings that should have gotten rings along with the team as well. And um, I agree with you that can't go unnoticed, like unsung heroes of the team and stuff like that. Um, morale guys, guys who are showing up every day, just happy to be there. Can't go unnoticed. And I would like to shout out those guys as well, too. Yeah, I don't know if either of you guys saw this year at the national championship, Lynchburg, who who won this year. They had some some of their players out in the crowd painted and and dressed for everything. And I know that was a huge part of their their run to the national championship was those guys support. That's fantastic. Let's just talk about division three. So we're going to zoom out a little bit. Um, you guys were D three student athletes. Maybe talk about what being a D three student athlete meant to you, but also how that maybe affected what you were able to do, whether it was clubs, organizations, groups you're in on campus, things like that. So um, Joe, I'll start with you. Just talk about what it means to have been a D three student athlete. Yeah, I, I think uh, being a D3 athlete for me was uh, fantastic in, in so many ways. Um, number one, you know, we're a student athlete, student first. So for me, it, it was definitely much easier to manage academics. Um, you know, if you're a Division One or Division Two athlete, uh, everything's kind of on a bigger scale when it comes to travel uh, and just everything that goes along with being a D1 or D2 athlete. So uh, I think it was definitely easier to manage when it came to ac academics. Uh, I mentioned it earlier. Um, you know, you kind of have a, uh, a, an easier opportunity to have a better relationship with the professors. Um, they kind of know who you are. Um, you know, I, I think D3 is, is, is good in so many ways um, because, again, it's a smaller scale, but it's still very competitive, uh, especially – you know, with, with Eastern baseball, um, you know, I did have, I had the opportunity to play division one, but I chose last minute to come to Eastern and it was by far the best move for me um, because it met my needs. Um, again, especially being, you know, a student athlete and what I needed, what I needed academically. Um, but I think D3, you know, it, people don't realize how good D3 sports are. 
Um, you know, when a kid that I'm currently coaching says, you know, I think I can play day D3. Well, my first question is, have you ever been to a D3 game? So how do you know that? Um, because it's so competitive. Um, there's a lot of D3 athletes that probably could have played D1 or D2. Um, and again, nothing against D1 and D2 athletes because they're D1 and D2 athletes for a reason. They're extremely athletic. Um, but I think there's something to be said about D3 being that there's there's no money involved, right? So there's no scholarship money. So you have to truly earn, you know, making the team and then earn your playing time. Um, yes, you can be recruited and yes, coaches can guarantee roster spots. But at the end of the day, you know, you have to earn that time in that in that in making that team. So um, I think you definitely learn some different things as a D3 athlete compared to D1 and D2. Um, again, nothing against those athletes, but it's different. Um, so being a D3 athlete was very special for me. Um, it was an amazing opportunity um, and definitely allowed me to get where I am now. You know, if I went D1, I don't know if I would have had the opportunity to have the success I had at Eastern and then in turn have the opportunity to sign a professional baseball contract and put that on my resume and then be a teacher someday and a coach. Um, so obviously everything helped. It happens for a reason, um, but I think D3 is where some people need to be. I I agree with you again, and I think something special about being D3, like you mentioned, like you don't get those uh, full-ride scholarships that you might see at D2 or the Division One level. You get guys that just genuinely play the game because they have love for it. You get a lot of gritty guys who maybe walked on to a D3 school and turned out to be an absolute stud. We, you get a lot of that. Um, I just think something about the passion for division three, you're not fueled by uh we don't get like really any NIL deals. And like I said, no scholarships. It's just, you want to be out there. You want to compete. You want to be a part of a team bigger than yourself without all of the uh, outside factors that you can also fall back on that you might get at a higher level. I think uh, something like that it goes to show like how truly passionate the people of Division Three are and like genuinely want to be there. And um, you also touched upon like situation and circumstance. Like a lot of guys have the talent to go Division One and end up settling for not settling, definitely not settling, ending up at a D three school for other reasons, whether it's academics or a money reason or just because they fell in love with the D three school. Um, it's, I think the, the common stereotype that I kind of have seen like playing in summer ball league sometimes is like the, the D three guy isn't always worse than the D one guy. And a lot of the time the D three guy is better than a good chunk of D one guys. And I'll always say, I'm sure Joe, you would agree with me. Uh, my, my national championship Eastern team, I'd take us against a lot of D1s. Uh, I think we would definitely have held our own in a lot of those conferences. Um, and maybe I'm being a little biased, but I got confidence in my guys. I know we had a lot of talent, and I think that's some, something really special about Division Three as a whole. Yeah, of course, I agree. Like I said, um you know, Division One athletes and, and programs are Division One for a reason because there's a ton of talent top to bottom. Um, you know, I think that might be the the, the difference uh, with baseball is maybe um, talent, you know, one from through 50 is a little more consistent. Uh, but there's a lot of D3 baseball players, as we know, that can probably play D1. 
Um, but yeah, like you said, Jason, it's just D3 just has something, I don't know what it is, but it's just something special about it. Um, it just makes it a little different than, than one and two. Maybe it's just the, the, you know, the having to work for it, maybe a little harder, um, because there's no money involved. Um, but I think every level is special in its own way and has its own obstacles. Um, D1 has obstacles, D3 athletes have obstacles. Um, but you know, I think Jason will say the same thing. We, we both had, or he is having a great opportunity and a great experience at the D3 level. And, and I did as well, along with all my teammates 20 years ago. Awesome. And the last question we'll wrap this up with, um, as I mentioned before we, we started recording, this is the 50th anniversary of Division Three, which is, is kind of the basis for this podcast being created. Um, so we've been around for 50 years, and there's obviously many more years to come. Um, so it's a broad question, but what do you see or what do you hope to see for the future of Division Three? And Jason, I'll let you go first. Um, well, one thing I never want to like wane out of what makes D3 so special is like I talked about earlier, the competitiveness. Um, I would hate to ever see it get kind of lost. And if, if NILs and stuff starts to become more of a mainstream thing and it gets down to the D3 level, that's great. But I never want to see people starting to sell out for money and not like scholarships in the D3 level. I think um, it's awesome that D3 is unique in that way from D1 and D2. And there's always the opportunity with like the transfer portal if somebody wanted to eventually go and try a new level um, and get those benefits, then that's great. But I think part of what makes D3 so special is how it really enhances people's genuine love for the game as there's not as many other factors maybe drawing you in, which I think uh, it just makes it a lot more special and unique. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, if, you know, my future um, vision of Division Three, uh, like Jason said, I would hate to see money start to get involved with NIL deals and um, more, again, having the athletes play for the true passion and love of the game because uh, we all know that money can definitely get in the way and be an obstacle. Uh, but being an outsider now and someone who was involved with D3 baseball back in the day, and um, but still connected in a way, you know, being a high school coach and a travel baseball coach, I'm in constant contact with uh, college coaches. I think D3 sports, uh, I think the future is bright. Um, you know, I think now, especially in the Little East Conference, there's a ton more parity. Um, there's a lot of teams that were kind of on the bottom end of the Little East when I was playing that are now towards the upper part of the Little East Conference uh, in baseball. Um, so I think there's uh, a lot more parity within Division Three, which is a good thing. Um, you know, you see some different teams win the national championship. Uh, so that's always a good sign um, that there's a lot of good athletes that are spreading themselves out and going to different D3 schools. So I think the future is bright. Uh, hopefully D3 can continue on that same path um, because, as I mentioned before, I think there's something to be said about D3 athletes uh, kind of being unique and special in, in certain ways. Great way to end this podcast. Um, thank you two both so much for joining us. Uh, it was a great conversation. I'm glad you two got to meet some national champions together here. But um, thank you both for joining us. Good luck this season, Jason. Good luck this season and you're probably year-round coaching joe so good luck yeah. with everything <laughs> um wishing you guys the best and thanks again for joining us awesome thank you katie for having us jason great to meet you my man and good luck thank you nice to meet you as well hopefully i can see you at a game at some point 
I'll be there. To everyone listening, thanks for tuning into this episode of Small Talk. We post new episodes every Thursday. To follow along with everything Division 3, you can find us on social media at NCAD3 or NCADIII. Make sure to join the conversation with us all year long by using the hashtag DIII50. Have a great day, and we'll see you for some more Small Talk next week.